And this is the part where we talk, where we wonder, is it live yet? As I watch the, okay. Um, oh, and we're live. Great. Uh, <laughs> I, I said I'd start the intro, so suddenly I don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, welcome to the, what are we calling this? The Mac and Pierce show, the Pierce and Mac conversation. I don't know. Uh, welcome to it. If you are watching this, uh, if you're playing it back later and not watching this live and you're seeing this on uh, my channel, don't forget to subscribe so that you can get notifications when we do this in the future. I'm Mac Frazier and this guy over here is my brother, Pierce. Hi. How you yep, doing, Pierce? I'm Pierce Frazier, Mac's brother. Nice to see you all again, although I don't see any of you, but it's nice of you to see me and it's nice of me to see Mac. Yeah. So how, how are you doing, doing Mac? Bruh. I get to ask you, how are you doing, Pierce? <laughs> I'm doing well. You know, one of the things that's interesting about this show for me is that we ostensibly are doing it so that we can talk about religious stuff. Uh, we're both pastors. Yeah. Uh, I'm down in Atlanta. You're down in Maryland or up in Maryland. Sure. And uh, but actually, we're also doing it because we're brothers and we like each other. And strangely enough, we don't actually talk that much. So this is one of our opportunities. Yeah. So. If you are turning in and you're expecting something religious, we will get there, but we always banter a little bit first just to- Banter uh, is my religion. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, I remember you telling me that you hated small talk. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't like big talk. I'm not sure that's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I, it took me a long time to figure out how to do social small talk with acquaintances and strangers. Mm, um, that makes sense. But I, I, I do like meaningless conversation with people I have deep connection with, for sure. Oh, yeah. That, that I can relate to. Meaningless conversation with people you have deep connection. Right. That's, well, because the connection gives it meaning. <laughs> I hope. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've you already know, lost me. Hopefully you haven't lost them. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about doing this on Sunday night. I don't know if this is true for you, but um, you know, Sundays take a lot out of me. I, I enjoy oh, yeah. preaching. But the emotional energy uh, expenditure of sort of being on uh, and and then sort of afterwards and sort of all the social thing stuff that happens after that, by Sunday night, I'm tired uh, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Um, and when I get tired, I guess I'm a little bit less inhibited and more inclined towards goofiness, which uh, yep. probably colors this conversation. That, that definitely describes uh, me very much so. Uh, yeah. And it's always a little funny because, uh, you know, I get up there, I preach, then I do questions and comments after every service. And then I go and I'm trying to be really super social and friendly to all the people. Mm -hmm. And then there's like three people that I have to talk to for whatever reason. And there's one person who I know didn't. And it's just so exhausting for yeah. me socially. And then when I get home, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing work. I'm dad. Right. I'm going to help out. I'm going to do stuff around here. And by the time it's nighttime, I am done. Yeah. Uh, but strangely enough, it's still the best time for us to do this now rather than some other time. I'm starting to wonder uh, if that's true, but okay. <laughs> yes. You know, I am missing out actually on playing a board game right now. With, with who? Two of my buddies what? called Gloomhaven. And oh. if you have not played Gloomhaven, it is the best board game of all time. I don't, I, I have not played it yet, but it's on my list. It, it is not overrated. It's like the Beatles. It's just not overrated. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and it comes in like a massive box that's like that big. It's just thick with lumber. I, uh, I have hefted a box at a, a local game store with, with a certain kind <laughs> of... Uh, it, it is phenomenal. We've yeah. played it dozens of hours and it continues to delight. 
But I was like, no, I can't. It's Sunday night. I'm doing this thing. Do you have a regular gaming group? I have. I do. I technically have two, although uh, one of them is made up of a smaller cadre of the larger one. So we have a group that plays D&D usually mm -hmm. right. uh, once a week, and then a smaller group of them who all live within about two minutes of me. Uh, we play board games. Cool. And so, yeah, it's great. What's one of the best things about it is that a lot of them are dads, mm -hmm. uh, most of them. And so they appreciate that I have to put my kids to bed, that I have to go to bed, and that I'm married, and that I have a certain lifestyle and certain values, and they respect them. And nice. so that's really helpful. Yeah. I cool. really like that. It's are they very... members of your congregation, or are they outside the group? Only one member is a member of the congregation, and I actually brought them into the group, into the gaming group. Cool. So, yeah, it is very good. It's, uh, it's a good mix. Yeah. But... Uh, I I'm starting to have a, a gaming group coalesce here um, within the congregation. There was already uh, a fairly active uh, board gaming uh, nice. set, and I've been plugging into that, and that's been really nice. Well, Gloomhaven right. this is my recommendation for the evening. It's a bit of a, a purchase, right? Yeah, it's like $100, yeah. but uh, I've definitely played it for more than 100 hours. Well, there you go. That's, that's really uh, nice. Oh, yeah. Dirt cheap. It's the cheapest board game I've ever played. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so how are you? Why are you tired? What did you preach on? <laughs> um, so for the past three weeks, I've been going through the story of uh, the Neo-Assyrian Empire's attempt to conquer all of Judah and with a mm. focus on the siege in Jerusalem and Sennacherib sending his uh, evil mastermind, super diplomat cupbearer, the Rob Shaka, to uh, intimidate and uh, negotiate with King Hezekiah. And yes. uh, it's a great story. Uh, just there, there are certain parts of uh, the stories in the word that I would love to see a full-blown, uh, big-budget cinematic treatment of, and this is one of those stories. It has just so many great... Wow sort of dramatic moments. I know you've preached on this as well. Yep. Uh, so you know the story. And it just, and the thing is, um, the, the main part of the story takes two chapters uh, in the second book of Kings. And there's just so much there. I, I, I stretch out over three Sundays. Um, mm. But even so, this, su Sundays two and three, I have to spend a little bit of time on recap because there's always new people there and sometimes people forget stuff. And all the details of the story all sort of connect with each other. And uh, so the third, I think the next time I, I do the series, I may have to rework it. I just, I feel like too large a percentage of today was recapping the two previous Sundays, but, but it's just such a great story. I kind of get carried away when I'm retelling the story. I can kind of tell it from heart now. Um, yeah. It's always a little bit awkward. Like how much are you going to retell the congregation? That you already told them and how do you recap a story when you need them to remember all the details yeah especially when it's a story like that which we love but i would guess most people aren't super familiar with it's not yeah. like the story of exodus or something from the gospels yeah well and that's actually one of the fun things that i get every time uh i've preached on this i say every time this is twice now i've, I've treated this story um but each time i've had people say wow i have never really heard that story before or you know, I think I probably came across it at least once, but I just don't remember it very vividly. And um, I spent a good bit of time on the first Sunday, especially 
kind of getting into the the historical contextual part of it and explaining you know stuff like the the Assyrians were the first to actually have a professional military with government yeah. issued combat boots and and doctrines of warfare and stuff like that which is perfect because symbolically as a a symbol for the human ability to reason and to rationalize well of course the Assyrians should be like clever and intelligent about how they go to war <coughs> Anyway, so I get into all the historical stuff, uh, talk a little bit about uh, some, even some of the archaeological evidence of the events. Um, I try not to do that too much when I preach because I know some people are not as excited by historical yeah. narrative detail, but there are others who love that stuff. And so I try to, you know, give people a balance. Yeah, and I try to make sure that when I do that, I let them know up front why I'm doing that. Yeah, like, yeah. you need to know these details because I'm going to talk about them in a minute. Right, right. Well, the thing I like about that story and stories like it is uh, a piece of advice I got when doing children's talks. Mm -hmm. And that is if you have a story from the word, from the Bible, and you're doing a children's talk, tell the story. You don't have to do uh, you see Timmy or right. uh, any kind of thing like that. Just tell the story. And the story itself is the children's talk. For, so for all you have to do is audience, would you like to define what a uh, what a you see to me is? Yes, a you see to me from Lassie. Uh, if you've never seen Lassie, good. But if you have, oh, I love then Lassie. you know that there's this uh, little boy Timmy, and he always does something dumb that his parents told him not to do, like play near the well. Yeah. And then he falls down the well, and then the dog Lassie runs home and barks, goes woof woof woof. What's that, Lassie? Woof, woof. Timmy, he's playing at the well. Woof, woof. And he fell down the well. We'll go rescue him. And they rescue Timmy out of the well and they drag him home. And at the end of every show, mm -hmm. the mom or dad always says, well, you see, Timmy, that's why we don't play at the well. Right. As if we couldn't have figured that out. Right. <laughs> yeah. it's the, uh, this is the lesson you're supposed to learn from the story. Yes. And the reason why the show Lassie is so annoying in my mind is actually just that you see Timmy at the end. Uh -huh. I think that show would be so much better if they didn't have the sort of, well, you know, that's why. I'm like, okay, yeah. it's just a story. Like, well, see, I love, the, I love the concept of the you see Timmy, which I think I first heard of watching <laughs> that movie about the political speech writers that were dating each other. I don't remember what it was called. And maybe it's good. Yeah. Maybe past relation recommended. I don't know. It's a long time ago. But I think about this often especially when crafting children's talks, because there's a real mm. pull towards doing that. And it, it, it yeah, it can, it can come off very uh, heavy handed and uh, it's not really always necessary. It's not yeah. the same thing as wanting to make certain that when you preach that you are preaching uh, life and that it is relevant and applicable to people's stuff. Um, it, but it can sometimes you can trick yourself into thinking that you need to do a you see Timmy just to preach life and you really don't. Well, I think that adults need a you see Timmy more than kids do. That's probably true, yeah. And that's why adults do that to kids. Oh, but man. for kids, they just need the story because they're not really into the whole you see Timmy thing. Like, okay, they do need to know that they shouldn't play near the well. But when if you're talking about how a person can use their reason and rationalization to justify doing evil things, even when they know that they're true. And in this case, they're sort of lying to themselves. 
That is so far beyond an eight-year-old's ability to appreciate and understand. Don't do that to them. Right. Just tell them the story. <laughs> Later, they can get that whole, this is what's rationalizing, da 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 yeah, so and I the, think that's and, part of it for me. And the you see, Timmy's that I find are useful when uh, when teaching adults are often pretty subtle and complicated ones too. Like there's already an obvious moral point to everything that's going on as you sort of go through one of these stories, but there's often another layer to it or something that's that's not so obvious, and that's where you really want to say, oh, and by the way, have you noticed that? there's this other storyline happening and here's what that's really all about or, or whatever it is. And yeah, kids, kids aren't tracking multiple levels in the same way adults hopefully are. Yeah. Another piece of advice I got about that. And this was uh, from Andy who is teaching uh, religion and science, Andy Heilman in huh. Kempton a high school. And he was giving me advice on how to teach teenagers religion. And he says, what you need to know is teenagers are really, really good at being judgmental. Yep. Too that's good. True. Yeah. And the problem is, is that if you get them to focus on themselves, they'll just condemn themselves. They'll be so self-critical and so judgmental that they won't actually give themselves a break when they really should, hmm. which I thought was interesting. He says, instead, don't get them to judge each other either. They're going to be really yeah. good at that. They don't, That's need like, help that. <laughs> they don't need help judging their parents. Instead, give them somebody to judge. That's what's great about reading the word or reading a story. Like, we can look at Sennacherib or Rob Shaka or Hezekiah or Isaiah and we can judge them. Right. We can make good judgments about it and we can think critically. Or another example is like in Henry V, we can look at the King of England and really judge him and say, mm -hmm. okay, well, was he doing this because he wanted to look glorious in front of his men, because he wanted to look powerful in front of his future wife, because he really truly loved England? And we can actually make those judgments about yeah. That's one of the reasons I love teaching uh, the life of David stories to uh, mm. older kids is in particular uh, David's uh, relative and on and off head of his military, Joab, because it, it's really easy to engage the kids by saying, OK, Joab, good guy, bad guy. And then you go back to it over and over again because his motives are really kind of complicated. Yeah. And he does good things for terrible reasons. And sometimes he does the right thing for what could be a good reason and sometimes just does terrible things. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> and kids are, love getting into, oh, he it was terrible that he did that. And then you can sort of push it a little bit and say, yeah, but why did he do it? Well, why did he say he did that? And the conversations are are awesome. The kids lock into it really well. And there's, there's a lot of really fun stuff that you can get just sort of wrestling with that part of the story. And, yeah, and I think it's important that we practice, especially as teenagers, judging characters from stories, even if they're true historical characters, right. like Joab or Henry V or Hezekiah, uh, because we are actually supposed to be good at judging ourselves. Eventually, yeah, that's the goal. Uh, this is a little trick I do in a lot of sermons, and if you've heard me preach, I'm sorry, I'm revealing the trick. But uh, I will start talking about something that I know people start imagining public figures or friends who do this bad thing. Like, you know, imagine uh, a politician who uh, says really annoying things on Twitter and sometimes it's dishonest and it just drives you nuts. And then when you call them on it, he or she says, well, I didn't say anything. That, that was just, I was just, you know, using words. 
people are like, oh, I know who you're talking about. I'm like, <laughs> right. well, who, who I'm talking about is actually you, yeah. <laughs> meaning all y'all. I yeah. think we all do something kind of like this. To, and then we can get Nathan, in. you are the man. Right, exactly. And so, but it's handy to have these public figures so that then we can reflect on ourselves because we can't actually change them directly, but yeah. we can change ourselves. Yeah. I think, I think that's a key lesson. Not one I want to focus too much on with teenagers because they're not really ready to change themselves too much. They they should. Yeah. But. I, I got a little bit into with the kids talk today. Um, what are really some, I think more advanced adult ideas related to what temptation is, mm. but I went into it knowing that this time <clears> around, <throat> I was going to give them stuff that really wasn't going to be that useful to them where they are now, but that would plant seeds later. Um, hopefully. And I try not to do that very often. Uh, but I, the, 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 the kids in this, uh, group that I've been preaching in front of, um, they've been demonstrating some really sort of sharp advanced thinking. So I thought, Oh, maybe I'd give them a little bit of it. But for the most part, I try not to do that. I don't know. I'm, you know can you tell I'm having some second thoughts about how I did today in general? Well, that's going to be, uh, the way things are. Yeah. You're always going to be, well, also you, and I, I've tried to tell parents this, uh, you have to understand that uh, when I'm giving a children's talk, I am giving a talk to a three-year-old and a 12-year-old because that's and all got, these different yeah. ages in between. And sometimes I'm going to say stuff for the 12-year-old. And I know I've just lost the three-year-old. It's yep. just the way things are. Yep. I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's just the 12-year-old sitting there. He needs something too. So I try yeah. to add a little bit. Today, we actually were talking about the Lord's teaching about prayer and about hypocrites. Yeah. And that was really good because that's something that kids can get right away. Although one of the three-year-olds did guess, or I guess he's five. He said, is that a crate of hippos? And <laughs> he was not being snarky. <laughs> he genuinely was trying to figure out. Hypocrite and crate of hippos? <laughs> I thought that was a great, sure. great one. <laughs> you can, uh, and I love it when the kids answer questions. So yes. I said, you know, that does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but but what was good about talking about hypocrites for kids is I could talk to them about what it means to say the blessing right before the meal in order to look like the kid who's saying it properly, knowing that you're not looking over at other kids. You're being really good and everyone can see how good you're being. Right. And that, that is the wrong reason why you should say the blessing. And that's being a hypocrite. And they could get that. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, supposed yeah. to think about the blessing when I say it. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Which directly relates to what the Lord was teaching. Nice. So it's a good little moral lesson that they can actually grasp. And uh, so that was fun today. Cool. It was fun with the kids. Yeah. Do you feel good about your preaching today? I did. Uh, I was nervous about it going into it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I knew what my adult topic was going to be about, but I had to call sort of uh, an audible, if you will, with the mm -hmm. children's topic, yeah. uh, which I do sometimes, but yeah. sometimes they don't line up. Do you feel like you're a good judge of your own, uh, effectiveness, like coming off the pulpit? No. I mean, yes and no. I yeah. can tell when I'm doing a better job. Mm -hmm. Um, but I sometimes 
I will realize 15 minutes afterwards that I missed a transition that I wanted to make. Yeah. Or I, it's usually errors of omission. That's Mm -hmm. my real problem. Like, oh, I wish I had said. um, Yeah. So, and I don't know when I've done that Mm -hmm. because how would I know? Right. Or you would have said it. Right. So I just don't know. And then uh, my congregations have always been very nice to me, yeah. uh, I'm assuming. Um, That's uh, been I've my experience, people, too, is but, there's usually like somebody's willing to give you criticism, sometimes undeservedly, sometimes deservedly. But um, people tend to be pretty nice about it. Yeah. I've had people give me criticism that was very useful, but mm-hmm. it's often not about what I said. How you said it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I think it's hard to be, uh, self-critical about that kind of thing. It's interesting, you know, we have, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have regional pastors or other supervisors come down to mm-hmm. sort of observe me, I guess, or meet with the congregation yep. or talk basically to do a review of me. Yeah. And they always say, Hey, do you want me to preach for you? Mm-hmm. And because I'm the only guy down here, I really would love a break. Right. But if they're not seeing me preach, there's like not seeing like one of the major things I actually need feedback on. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I don't know. I think I'm going to tell them from now on. No, don't preach for me. You need yeah, to I, me preach. I actually have a deal with my regional pastor. We sort of set it out ahead of time, um, where he, he at least for this first year. This is my first year here. He's doing two visits. He's done one already. But the plan was first visit. Um, I'm there primarily just to support you. I'm not going to be holding meetings with the congregation, but I'm. I, but you preach, let me see you in action, just see you with your people so I can get a sense of, of what you're doing here. And then, this is what he's saying to you. And then, right, this is what he's saying to me. And then, um, you know, half a year later or whatever it is, I'll come down for like the actual evaluation review and do that whole thing. And I'll give you a break then and I'll preach, having already seen you preach. And I, I think that's right. a good system. Yeah, that is. Did, are you changing the way you preach lately? Well... I'm always kind of feeling like I've changed the way I preach because um, I, I really feel like I hit my best preaching form when I was in Austin. And I've since then had to kind of roll it back for other places that I've been because, you know, people are used to different things. In Austin, I was starting from scratch. There was no pre-existing congregation. And so it was an opportunity for me to experiment with uh, some of my ideas and theories about public communication. And I could really hone it in and, and get the sermon to, to work sort of structurally exactly the way I want it to. Right. Um, but I can't just inflict that on people that are used to other forms and patterns. It's so, sort of like we talked about last week how, you know, I've got the one congregant who says, amen. Right. Uh, you were saying, I remember you telling me that in Austin, you could have a real conversation as part of the yeah. quote unquote sermon portion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, in existing congregations where they're used to a more lecture format, mm-hmm. I've tried to encourage my congregation to be more conversational, but they've said, look, we wouldn't mind doing that, but we're also here because we want to hear your opinion. Right. We want to hear your thoughts. And more importantly, we want to hear what the Lord says. Yeah. So we don't want to hear what everyone else thinks. We want to hear what you think the Lord thinks. Yeah. Well, so. And it, I appreciate that. I totally but. appreciate that. I, I, my goal, my, my desire, and I am, wherever I go, I, <clears throat> I try to slowly sort of bend people in this direction gently, is it's not that I'm looking for people, for, 
for additional preachers to stand up and, and join that way so much as, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about and that, that, that we're sort of mentally wrestling with in the context of studying the word are confusing uh, and sometimes they're challenging. And I know I sometimes say things that just they, they, they don't land, like yeah. either the way I've said it or because of how somebody's hearing it, 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 I, it's not connecting. It's not making sense to them. And I want an environment in which people are free to say, whoa, 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 wait. So what you're saying is, and then feed it back to me or to ask a question or say, you know, that doesn't make sense to me because yeah. then I want to stop and spend time with it so that it does make sense. Um, yeah. And that's different from uh, like what I've often seen when there's like a Q&A at the end of a sermon. I've done that in a bunch of places. And I think that's better than no back and forth. Um, but it's been my experience that when you have it at the end, it does lean more towards occasionally somebody, you know, stepping up to the mic to sort of give their sermonette as well. Mm. And, and it's not that I don't want to give people a voice, but yes, I'm very aware that the other people in the congregation, they're not really there to hear additional takes on a subject. Um, you know, uh, down here in Atlanta, I'm very fortunate. We do questions and comments after yeah. every service. How's and that go for you? It's great. It's a pretty even mix of different people. Um, I've had a couple of people who are new to coming to church with us this year who say, it was amazing. The pastor actually answered my question in front of everyone. Yeah. And he didn't know one part. And he said that. I was just amazed. And that was a large reason they came back. Yeah, saying um, I don't know is very powerful. But yes. But I. It, it's also great because... I don't call it questions and answers. It's not Q and A, it's questions and comments. Good. And I'm very open about it being comments. And what I love especially is testimonial witnessing type things. Not like someone gets up and gives their 10 minute story. Right. Just someone says, you know, I really liked this thing that you said here because I've been thinking about this. Very short and brief. And that's great. And so, I don't know. My my group is just really good about that kind of thing, and I nice. really appreciate them. Yeah, nice. it's it's a it's not a surprise, but it's just a pleasant thing that I didn't have anything to do to create. <laughs> I just opened the space, and they filled it with this nice thing. Nice, beautiful, uh, and that's really great. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Cool. I, I don't. Do you see the comments on our stream? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna throw out there. Um, uh, Dane says, hey, Frazier. So I just want to say, hey, Dane, welcome. Good to see you. Well, I don't see you. Good to be seen by you. Yes. Uh, Dane's, Dane's a good friend. Um, something about what you said triggered something in my mind, and it's Sunday night, so. There you go. Hey, Daylight Savings is awesome. No, it's not. I <laughs> am... <laughs> <laughs> um, I am... I am beyond like any uh i it's evil i'm against it i i i think you it's, know what it's have you you and i both uh listen to jonah goldberg sometimes yep he's one of the people i listen to and he jokes about how how he his view of intellectual history and political history has changed and that he recognizes now that things are more about social constructs and culture and technology happening in an emergent way rather than some bad idea being cooked up in a German lab somewhere and being exported to the world. 
Right. A German daylight savings lab. was daylight savings was cooked up in a German lab totally was. and exported to the world. It literally Just, was. <laughs> a very specific example of a nasty Bismarck idea that we're all stuck <laughs> with. <laughs> Why are we stuck with it though? Like we need to throw off these shackles. I, uh. Yeah, well, I don't want to get too political, but uh, to change one simple law is a lot of work because yeah. then you have to basically hitch your wagon to that and you have to be willing to compromise on other things. So if somebody actually wants to get that changed, somebody else is going to say, well, are you willing to compromise on gun control yeah. or pro-choice, pro-life? Or are well, you so, willing to compromise so on this tax bill? And people are like, no, I'm not willing to compromise on those things for daylight savings. <laughs> so, so let's do it at the state level then. I mean... Here, but he's not deal. that level. So, so every once in a while, you have an election where you look at the slate. I'm not saying anything about any particular election, but every once in a while, you look at the slate and you think, I don't want to vote for any of these people. Um, if any one of them were to step up and say, I promise you, I will put an end to daylight savings, even if it's a kooky way that they're going to do it. You know what? That would tip my vote at this point. Yeah, wasn't there, was it Chris Christie? And he failed to do this, but he ran partly on, in New Jersey, he said, I'm going to get rid of the toll booth operators on the New Jersey Turnpike. Right. And people are like, yes, vote for him. And he got in and then he couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. You, can't, yeah. you can't actually do that. Well, so even if a candidate something. said they were going to do it, I don't believe they could. It just ain't happening. It's just so stupid. And, and it hurts me when people defend it too. Like, oh, but I like the extra daylight. Here's the thing. There are people listening perhaps right now who love it. I'm sure. You have to decide... Do we want them to be our enemies or do we want to pick a more important battle? Okay, here's the thing. So look look me right in the eye. If, if you're somebody who who thinks, you know what, daily savings, it's not evil. It's okay. It's no big deal. Maybe even that you love it. This is like from the bottom of my heart, I want to say I love you and you're wrong. <laughs> there you go. I love and, you. And if that means you're never going to tune in again, I'm really sorry. But I think that's a mistake as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. But again, you're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, Dane's on our side. Okay, cool. Oh, good. Well, there's one. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I am getting goofy. We're talking about daylight savings, so I'll and wait thirty minutes here. Monday is yes, indeed, and we're at thirty minutes, so we could probably wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> um, but should people hit the subscribe and they should just smash that daylight savings button and comment and tell us how stupid we're. No. Yes. So. Uh, the, the best way to help us uh, is, uh, well, the best way to help me, you don't have a YouTube channel yet. We'll nope. start plugging that eventually. Um, but if you go to my YouTube channel, which is The Big Idea with Matt Frazier. Uh, huge. It's a huge idea. The Big Idea. Uh, I, there's, I, there are links all over my Facebook page to this. Go there and subscribe. Um, I've just launched it. I think I've got just a handful of subscribers right now. Get other people to subscribe because... The way YouTube works is after you hit certain thresholds, they turn on certain features because um, nice. you've proven that you're for real. So help us prove to YouTube that we are for real and that this is something that people want to watch. Um, and besides that, just, you know, watch uh, my page on Facebook. Uh, if you're friends with Pierce, you have a, a public page. Yes. Okay. So watch Pierce's page as well. And we'll give, you know, heads up when future uh, videos are going to happen. But by and large, we're shooting for... Sunday nights, starting sometime between eh, 8 and 9 usually. 
Yep. And uh, another way you can help us, and this really would help us, is comment below. Yes. Because we actually do want to hear from you. Yes. Uh, live, but also, uh, especially in your reflections. Um, yeah. What did you think? What did we say that was confusing? What should we clear up? Uh, what great idea you want to enlighten us with? What questions do you have? What should we talk about next time? Mm -hmm. uh, was there not enough hockey talk? That we're wrong what? about daylight savings. I mean, we'll disagree with you still, but you can say it. Yeah, yeah. But seriously, uh, comment. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, is there anything else that, they, that the good listeners need to I'm hear? I'm still looking for submissions for theme music. Uh, oh, yeah? We need, we need something good. And uh, if somebody doesn't send me something soon, I'm going to start adding nonsense. Well, yeah. Well, you know, the theme music to Action News uh, is actually like 30 years old and is used was used by like 50 different stations. It's only used by one in Philadelphia now. Yeah. But we could grab it. <laughs> I, I wonder if we could grab the, uh, the, the club remix that the, uh, the DJ for the Flyers used during a warm-up. Yes. Uh, that could be good. Because that, that really You know what? Um, I'm pretty sure I could get my son to drum something for us. I don't know. It'd be pretty wild, but <laughs> he does scream sometimes while he drums. And it's usually something along the lines of, oh, 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 you know oh, what? oh, oh. That could be our theme song. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, so this is the part where we say something snide about our brother Scott and then sign off. So I, I did it last time. What do you got to say? Well, actually, I'll compliment him. Uh, I am part of a D&D group down here. And uh, the best campaign world I've ever played in was my brother Scott's. And uh, that's one of the things I actually miss about living uh, up north in Pennsylvania. Uh, strangely enough, and it sounds silly, but it really is true, is playing in my brother's D&D world. Yeah, me too. And yes, I miss my mom, and I miss my kids having grandparents, and I miss various friends and family. But that was a really cool world with a really great concept about uh, religions and what it would be to actually be uh, polytheistic mm -hmm. or henotheistic, if you don't know what that is. Hey, um, I, had, I had a monistic character in his campaign world. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not monotheistic. No, monistic. Mon yeah. Yes, I know. Uh, so, no, it's just, it was a great way of exploring cool ideas. Yeah. And I think that was uh, partly a reflection of his appreciation for the history that we were talking about, like Hezekiah and the background. Um, so he actually would add a lot to that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So yeah, I'll compliment him this time. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. I'll catch more flies with honey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and yes. hear that, Scott? We would like you to, to, to join us as a DM. Yes, you're the fly. We're the honey. Come on down. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, goodbye, uh, I, Holly, Dane, uh, others, um, and have a good night, Pierce. I hope you yep. get some sleep. And uh, that somehow now that you recover from this daylight savings wasting. disaster. Yeah, daylight wasting yes. time. Well, the real issue is, will my kids wake up on time? And will they be polite to me when I put them to bed early? Because yeah. that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night. All right. Have a good night, Pierce. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>